The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Where to, sir? Who did you revoile? Take me to the nearest town. Oh, we're only the local service. Take me as far as you can. Why did you speak to me in French? French is international. I suppose it's a waste of time asking the name of this place. As a matter of fact, I thought you might be Polish, perhaps a Czech. What would Poles or Czechs be doing here? It's very cosmopolitan. You never know who you meet next. I did tell you we are only local. The charge is two units. Units? Credit units. Oh well, pay me next time. Be seeing you. Sir. What can I do for you then? Like a map of this area. Map? Color or black and white? Just a map. You're new here, aren't you? Where can I get a hire car? Self-drive. No self-drive. Only taxis. I've tried those. Welcome everyone, it is Thursday, March 16th, 2017. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes, everything will be I'm dedicating today's show to the memory of what was once a great downtown in the city of London, Ontario, and to the support of London's current downtown business merchants who have found themselves utterly alienated from their so-called representatives and who are now facing a pending crisis threatening their very livelihood. Two major issues have collided with each other in the city of London at the intersection of right and wrong in downtown of the city. And the political debris and fallout from the collision has exposed a great wrong in our midst. So those two issues, rapid transit, which is really a rapid transit system to bankruptcy and waste in my opinion, and business improvement areas, known as BIAs but today disguised as business associations, to keep everyone from remaining aware of the truth. These are the phenomenon that citizens in every larger city in the province of Ontario must endure in some way or another, and there are literally hundreds of BIAs established across Ontario that the vast majority of people still believe to be legitimate quote-unquote business associations. So, On the one side of the debate, we now have the downshift folks opposing the shifty folks on the upshift side, I guess. You've got shift versus downshift. It all sounds pretty shifty to me, so before we shift into gear ourselves, don't forget, you can, and you should, write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of our past broadcasts. Here's a letter from letter writer Ian G. of London in the London Free Press on March 7th with the heading, Retailer Fearful. Quote, 
After 35 years as a merchant on Richmond Row and the Covent Garden Market, I'm scared enough to comment about the rapid transit mess. City Hall and many councillors have failed Londoners. The London Downtown Business Association has failed the very merchants it is paid to represent. If we do move forward with rapid transit, merchants are going to have to take a very deep breath and the city is going to have to find some very generous and creative ways to avoid what might be a huge disaster in London, end quote, he writes. Well, with that letter, Ian has defined for us the two issues that have collided, rapid transit and BIAs. Unfortunately, Ian has also bought into the fake news we keep hearing about BIAs, namely that they in any way represent, quote-unquote, the downtown merchants. No, no, Ian. Remember my favorite quote from last week? It ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, it's what they do know that just ain't so. Well, here's a living example of that. And folks, I know that the mainstream media keeps referring to the BIA as the Downtown London Merchants Association, but an association, in the sense of being one that represents its members, it is not. It just ain't so. (laughs) And if you continue from a premise that just ain't so, in attempting to fight what is so, you've lost your battle before it's even begun. That, unfortunately, appears to be the Achilles heel I've spotted in the whole dispute between the downtown merchants, not the BIA, and the city, which includes the BIA. So I think you'll come to understand exactly why I've drawn this conclusion from the debate I've been witnessing thus far. So while there's still a bit of time to save themselves, both the downtown merchants and the taxpayers in the city of London, they need to be made aware of the realities necessary to be confronted if you ever expect to win, whatever it is your objective is, especially against this kind of opposition. Now, I know this from experience. Define or be defined. Simply by defining what a BIA was to merchants who were about to be conscripted into one, it was possible, in fact, it was simple, to defeat the proposition at the appropriate time early in the process. Because I know, because we defeated dozens of them. We being Freedom Party, myself, Mark Emery, a group of other people. Why don't we continue to go on defeating BIAs today? Well, because it would be an endless and thankless task. Been there, done that. Besides, with enough foresight, any small group of concerned merchants or business owners in the conscripted area can defeat a BIA on their own, but not without the right information, and on that count... We're still here to help, and I'm hoping that we might be able to help out a bit with this broadcast today. The BIA scam, like the rapid transit scam, needs to be addressed and halted at the provincial level. That's where the the problem really originates, but we have to deal with it here municipally, so we have issues we have to deal with here too. This article from the London Free Press by Chip Martin on February 18th with the heading, Transit Rapidly Becomes Headache inciting a half-billion-dollar-plus mega-rapid transit project. Among the observations in his column are the following, quote, Bob Usher, general manager of Covent Garden Market, says a proposed transit lane on King Street alongside the market and Budweiser Gardens will cause irreparable damage. Covent Garden Market and Budweiser Gardens were never consulted by anyone at the city, he says. Steve Lehman, in business for 28 years, he recalls sewer construction a decade ago in the same area, killed his business. 
Lehman attended an earlier open house on the transit plan, and, quote, we were just told what was happening, end quote. London will soon reach its peak population and begin to shrink if current demographic trends don't change. Now, that's an interesting observation that I don't hear anybody talking about anywhere outside of this comment in this article. Barring a strong surge of immigrants, he writes, in Canada migration or a high-speed rail link to Toronto, an aging population means London could start shrinking as early as 2025 after reaching a peak of 475,000. An influx of newcomers, particularly from India and China, might keep it growing till 2036. A flood of them might see the city grow to 540,000 by 2051. The numbers come from the doctoral thesis of, get this, Deb Matthews, which earned her a PhD in social demography from Western University. And, of course, she's a liberal MPP for London North Centre, who was one of the people being accused of being behind this. Quote, those projections are sobering in a city about to embark on the biggest capital project in its history to which provincial and federal governments are expected to contribute. Without ever achieving the critical mass of population necessary to warrant a light rail system, London must get it right with a bus-based system. As Matthews says, nobody wants to build a white elephant. <laughs> End quote. Personally, building white elephants has never dissuaded any politician I know of from building them. <laughs> the white elephant factor is what attracts politicians to these projects. Wow, you know, because without forced taxpayer dollars, these projects would simply never occur because private interests need to survive on their own merit. And when they rob others to keep their interests afloat, we would normally arrest and jail such actions. The following exchange was aired on CJBK AM 1290, Andy Utman's show, and took place on February 23rd of this year, on the day a public meeting was to be held on the topic of public transit. Let's listen in. We have um, two merchants in studio, and there will be many other citizens who will be calling in uh, who are directly impacted by this in a way that makes them shake in their boots, uh, the likes of uh, Mike Smith, the owner of uh, Joe Cools, who doesn't shake in his boots uh, easily, and uh, Lisa Ferguson, who runs a hair shop downtown. Uh, Accent, uh, uh, retail store, ladies' retail store. Ladies' retail store. There we go. Uh, Lisa, let's start with you, because uh, this meeting, let's set up the meeting first of all. It's coming up very shortly. In fact, you'll probably leave here to go to the meeting. Yes, we are. Uh, we uh, invite all of the City of London, taxpayers, residents, merchants, to come to the London Library at 5 o'clock tonight to express our concerns about this project. You were showing me a picture um, a moment ago of uh, cities that we've been compared to and their size. Um, the point you were making is... Oh, well, we're being compared to cities uh, like Los Angeles, Amsterdam, Geneva, Cologne, where their population is well over a million people and not even uh, taking into consideration the amount of people that there's a million people that commute into these cities uh, every day. Uh, so, I mean, we're 360,000 people. So how can you compare us to a city with 3.844 million people? Mike made the point that he can't find anybody who supports it. You made the point on the phone when we were chatting earlier. 98% of the people I run into oppose this, and I'm still looking for the other 2%. I actually stole that from Mike. But <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. You agree with it. I've actually, since the last time I was on your show, I've had public phone me. 
uh, they heard our conversation and they were like, you know, I, I talked to a, a sweet lady today, Elizabeth, and she said, I w- just want you to know that I agree with you. I'm a senior in this city and I just think this is ridiculous and I can't afford the extra taxes that this is going to cost me. Oh, hi, Andy. John Bartlett. Uh, I'm the president of the London Neighborhood Community Association. We were uh, incorporated in 1995 to deal with some of these municipal issues. This is a half a billion dollars. There has been no consultation with neighborhood groups. We were consulted for a rail, a light rail project. That got flushed down the sewage hole. Now we're into rapid transit with buses. A half a billion dollars, there's going to be expropriation of properties, residential properties. Trees will be taken down, and people are going to lose their front yards. Try to, um, you know, because some people say, well, this is just uh, downtown merchants who are just, um, you know, concerned about the impact on their business. London is always small town thinking. you got to think big. Think big for a moment, uh, uh, if you would, uh, Don. What about the impact overall on the city? Well, it's a solution for which the problem is has been exaggerated. You know, the business case has not been made to spend a billion, half a billion. It could become a billion dollars. But how about an alternative? We could uh, dedicate uh, an existing lane of traffic in the direction of the rush hour uh, as a variable lane, so we get three lanes instead of two as an alternative. Uh, We don't need to spend a half a billion plus. I don't know that there's any business case that has been made. We don't know any assumptions from which this project has been based upon. And and frankly, I have not met one single person who can rationally explain this to me. And so I conclude the conversation by saying thank you. I get it now. I don't. I haven't met anyone who does get it. So who 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 is the driving force then behind this project? Well, I think it's uh, planning staff, John Fleming, and the council. Uh, Small-town boys trying to pretend they're the big city? We don't need it. We we are not a big city. Uh, you know, look at Montreal put in a subway. They have bridges onto their island and off their island. That's a big city. Lots of traffic into and out. We're not Montreal. We're not Toronto. We are London, Ontario. Um, I would say variable lanes with overhead green or red light to indicate when the lane is available for heavy traffic this this won't cost 100 million it won't cost 25 million there's the price which is uh huge half a billion uh dollars um right people say well that's less than if we had gone with uh rail let's look at the benefits are the benefits there to make it worthwhile long term I, I, I don't know what the benefits are. If we're going to put up with two to four years of construction mayhem, Andy, this is an election issue. It is not to be decided off the cuff, driven by planning, thinking that there will be some sort of long-term solution. There, This is based on assumptions that have not been revealed. There's been no consultation. And, and frankly, I'd like to have these uh, councillors stand up and um, put their seats on the line. You got to be at the meeting this evening? 
Oh, absolutely. Don, appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Now, last night, I don't know if you watch any of the American news, they had town hall meetings all across the U.S. <laughs> there was a lot of shouting and fist pumping. I mean, Mike, what's the format? Is it going to be a democratic uh, meeting? Is it going to be open to opinions, or is it a staged P exercise, uh, or a PR exercise? I don't know, Andy. I believe it's a staged PR exercise because when plans are already drawn up with glossy drawings and they've already designated the routes, it sounds like we consulted with you. Here it is. But I would rather hear this input go back to the drawing board. One of the reasons this group is called downshift, that group's called shift, it's like slow it down and have a good plan. We want good public transportation. This is not Yeah, we're, the we're not against the city growing and becoming a big city. Uh, like I said, we have something to gain by that. We are just against this being pushed on us and, and the amount of dollars that it's going to take. Go to Bill Brock, who knows a thing or two about buses. Hi, Bill. Hi, Andy. Um, I listened. I've talked to Lisa. I've talked to Mike Smith, and um, they had that open house, and that open house had thirty-five charts, and everybody's talking about rapid transit. This what London is getting is called bus uh, rapid transit. It is not. On one of the pages, the charts, number 24, they've got something titled The Last Mile. And if you'll allow me, just to, it's just a short paragraph. Every rapid transit trip begins and ends with a different mode, either walking, cycling, or local transit. This is referred to as the last mile. The last thing it says is this is crucial component of a successful rapid transit system. And then there's a drawing. You bike the first mile, you get on rapid transit, you walk the last mile, or you get off and transfer to an LTC bus for the last mile. This is not rapid transit. This is, and I'm going to quote a counselor, this is we got to get cars off the road, so it doesn't matter how long you take it. It takes you to take the BRT. we got to get the cars off the road. 20 years down the road, this is how ridiculous this is. My concern is, is what Lisa and them are talking about is, remember, this was a vision that came out when the province and the feds and, uh, announced big millions and millions of dollars for public transit. Remember that this city, the council and the, the staff, got together in November 2015 and went after a billion dollars for the uh, light rail transit. It blew up. And, this, and what we're faced with now is a community that's all, all of a sudden, and it's not just downtown, it's everybody, all of a sudden you're starting to see the details. And the problem with it is it's not going to make it better for anybody. And what Lisa and them are talking about is fatal to the, hum, the, the well-being of downtown. Not my words. Read it right here in the chart. It's, the only success depends on people walking further, biking, in London, Ontario, and and then getting on a, a BRT that only runs on four routes. Bill, I wish we had more time. We don't. Know, What's I'm, your message to the mayor? My, I actually I talked to them and he said we need to get together and talk. The point is we can't do this in two weeks. 
Look at the charts. This is a disaster. Lisa and them don't need two weeks. They need to re redesign the whole thing to protect downtown. This won't protect it. The mayor wanted, he invited me in to have a chat. We haven't had the chat, and I said to him, there's a problem. So far, I haven't had the invitation to sit down. Okay, Bill, we have to leave it there. What we just heard on the previous side of the bumper was originally broadcast on February 23rd, immediately prior to the public meeting being set up to (laughs) set everybody up. And on this side of the bumper with Bill Brock from a March 2nd broadcast following that public meeting, which (laughs) which I noted Uh, Mr. Brock refers to as an open house information session. I wanted to review some of the things we just heard in those discussions. And I thought those discussions rather reflected most of what people are saying in the community. Uh, Honestly, I haven't heard of anyone in my immediate (laughs) circle of friends who thinks that this rapid transit idea is a good idea at all. 98% oppose and still looking for the other 2%. That's exactly how I feel, and I think most people are... You know, feeling that way. But you know what? The other 2% are organizing now. If you've seen some of the articles in the free press, they brought up the example of Kitchener and Waterloo, how, you know, they've already endured all their hard times and things are being okay. It's The opposition's coming. This is just starting. And, of course, Don Bartlett talking about how they're spending half a billion dollars with no consultation from neighborhood groups. Interesting, his group is called an association, and it is a real association because, obviously, they have community concerns, they incorporated, and they're actually acting in the interests of their members. Interesting how many people still are blaming City Hall directly for instigating this. Yeah, they're, they're biting on the bait, but the bait's being given to them from the, from the governments above them. So it's hard to resist all that free money, especially when that money allows you to add a third level of taxation to your own municipality, and it all runs through your hands. That's a lot of power. But the really interesting comment of what we've heard was in the conversation on this side of the bumper with Bill Brock called The Last Mile. When I heard him read that paragraph about The Last Mile, well, I just started laughing out loud. It was, it was too funny to be comedy. You, you know what I mean? Let me get this straight. The city is expecting an aging demographic to hop on their bikes or walk down to the half-billion-dollar rapid transit bus which will take you anywhere you don't want to go because at the end you have to get off and plan your own transportation to your destination (laughs) at your final mile. It'll be the final mile I ever transport on that system. Boy, I hope they have a lot of Uber cabs waiting at each end. But one major message we are being given by the city. No input allowed. No representation permitted. No debate allowed. And... No one in the general public wants the darn thing. You know, it's a staged PR exercise, says Mike Smith, when the plans are already drawn up and the routes are already designated. Well, duh. (laughs) You know, I know of no public input meeting where the public actually has a say, as in even a vote, in the sense that their numbers might make any difference to the intentions of the planners. Never heard of one. Those things don't happen. That's That's not how democracy works. People go to public meetings to get covered in the media, the ones who are doing their presentations. That's why they do it. Now here again, 
I once made headlines. This was this was before my Human Rights Commission encounter with our local London Free Press. And this was way back in the mid-80s, I think, when I addressed the Fraser Committee on Pornography and Prostitution. The committee was set up by the federal government to seek public input prior to the government taking any action on the issue. Uh, most of you will find this hard to believe, but at that time, pictures and descriptions of people having a quote-unquote explicit sex were illegal and punishable by law. Nevertheless, <laughs> on the very same day I was making my own presentation to the committee, the newspaper ran a headline and story about how the government had already introduced its legislation, already getting into a second and final reading coming up on the, on the very legislation we were giving input to. And here's the really weirdest part of that whole experience that totally blew me away. I was the only person who even noticed. <laughs> and I was certainly the only person who said anything about the validity of a public hearing that's still going on as the government is wrapping up its legislation on the same issue. You know, it was my, my first real emperor-wears-no-clothes <laughs> experience. And I was certainly the only person who said anything about the validity of a public hearing that's still going on as the government's wrapping up its legislation. And I got a lot of attention over it. So these meetings are, when I say these meetings are phony, I mean phony in terms of having an influence on the planned outcome. Not phony in terms of being allowed to have your say. You're going to have your say all you want because talk is cheap. That's why they allow you to talk. Go ahead, express yourself. Let off all that steam. But remember, no one can quote-unquote represent everyone, and so continues the rationalization that to, to allow for no representation at all. If you can't represent everyone, well, then who exactly do you represent? And who's, whoever said you had to represent everyone? How about just trying for the majority? You notice how they skipped that word? <laughs> Is there any transparency or insight being offered on any of that? Like, who, who do they represent? We hear so many who are intimately affected by these mega-projects scratching their heads about where these insane plans originated, because it sure wasn't from them. Let's go to Bob Metz. Always uh, love to hear from Bob Metz. Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Andy. <laughs> I'm just surprised that this conversation is just starting now. This has been brewing in City Hall for years now, and the proposal is insane on its face. The manner in which it's being implemented is just pure corruption in politics. And if you want to know where it's coming from, it's coming from Queen's Park and the federal government who are offering the city millions of dollars just so they can spend it and have a legacy. That's what this is about. And I've been watching this. They don't even know where the routes are supposed to go. They change it every other day. Um, and then at the same time, they're preventing people from getting around by trying to stop Uber from competing. Uh, this is the worst city hall I ever remember. They, they closed downtown streets with festivals. I don't know how you guys in business can stand it. Uh, you know, I don't see how you stay in business with all these interventions. And then they want to call you, and there's no, 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 no street parking anymore. You can't just walk into a, a store. Our streets have all these traffic calming curbs. This city is anti-car, something else. And you folks downtown, you also have to deal with something called the BIA that passes itself off as a business association, but is really a tax-funded group. 
Well, let's look specifically at bus rapid transit, uh, the two phases. One, will the construction phase, two years, kill downtown? And uh, number two, will it be worth it in the end? No, the project itself will, even if you accomplished it, it would be, it would be kill the city. I looked at the plans. It's ugly. It divides one part of the city from the other. And meanwhile, you look down in California, you know what they're all doing? They're privatizing. Private bus services are starting to compete with each other, and they're working in, in tandem with all the local services. But the future trend for public transportation is going to be more like the Uber model, and even the Uber model is not where it's at, because they're going to driverless cars. Mm-hmm. And here we are talking about going into this ancient, ancient technology again, just so the politicians can steal the money from us. Great call, Bob. As always, short break. We'll be back with more in just a moment right here on The Live Drive with Andy Edmund on News Talk 1290 CJBK. report on a property tax levy increase of 2.1% to fund the Downtown London Business Association's budget isn't sitting well with a number of downtown business owners who say the Downtown London Business Association has failed to represent their concerns about rapid transit. Downtown London's Executive Director Jeanette McDonald says she's open to talking to anyone about these concerns and plans moving forward. They're more than welcome to come and talk to us, speak to our board, speak to our board members and see what our work plans are. We're as transparent as, as class, so if they need to know something, 123 King Street. With over 1,200 member businesses plus building owners, McDonald says it's impossible to have 100% consensus on something as significant as rapid transit. Longtime downtown clothier David E. White says that while the levy increase may be inevitable, there may be resistance from business owners who will demand significant changes to the Downtown Business Association. If BIA taxes increase goes through, we just pay the piper. We have no choice. Uh, but will we speak up? Yes, I think we will speak up. The report about the proposed levy increase will be discussed by the Corporate Services Committee at City Hall on Tuesday. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to all of our financial supporters who have made it possible for us to continue our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support. And while you're there, sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived for your listening enjoyment and convenience. Now, that news item we just heard there was from the February 23rd CJBK AM news report on the BIA, the very issue I brought up in the earlier call with Andy on the other side of the bumper, on the previous side of the bumper. Now, that call that I made to Andy was made about a week and a half before, and the BIA hadn't yet surfaced as a major issue. I just knew it was going to come up because I knew how nefarious the BI is about the way it it acts in in the downtown community. BIA Executive Director Jeanette McDonald says, quote, she's open to talking to anyone about these concerns and plans moving forward, end quote. And she also adds, they're more than welcome to come and talk to us, speak to our board, speak to our board members, and see what our work plans are. We're as transparent as glass, so if they need to know something, 123 King Street. There you go. Easy as 123. Now, are you hearing what I'm hearing? A complete disconnect between McDonald, the BIA, and just about anybody else. (laughs) 
you can come and talk to us. Then we will show you what we have already decided to do. But come on down. <laughs> How much more contemptuous can someone possibly sound or be towards those forced to bear the burden of their unaccountable and unresponsible decisions and actions? The BIA and City Council get to call all the shots. The citizens and businesses must pay for it and, on top of that, get no choice in the matter. No choice, but we sure get a hell of a lot to say. Talk all you want. Go to as many public spectacle meetings as you want. You'll be heard, but you won't be listened to. Unless, of course, you agree with the listeners. That's been my 100% experience after, what, 30, 40 years? So if you learn that early in life, you won't have to repeat it for 30 or 40 years. You should know right from the beginning. Jeanette McDonald, Chief Executive and General Manager of the London Downtown Business Association, and Gerald Gallagher, Chair of the London Downtown Business Association, um, which is a fake name for a government bureaucracy that merely taxes a business group. Well, anyways, they got together and wrote an editorial in response to the growing opposition to them that was mounting in the downtown community. And it appeared on the March 7th London Free Press under the heading uh, Downtown BIA Focused on Rapid Transit Facts. There we go with the facts again. And because uh, that's the magic word you can use to defeat to, to deceive anyone. Facts. Remember the remember Donald Trump and all the facts. <laughs> How many times on this show have we clearly illustrated that facts do not constitute truth and do not tell a story or do not predict cause and consequence? In fact, and it was a fact, <laughs> we clearly demonstrated how facts are used to mislead and deceive. And today we have yet another demonstration of that very principle forcing its way to the front of the public discussion on this issue. Having come under fire because the fact that the London Downtown Business Association is no association, and because of the fact that it is not representing, quote-unquote, the BIA members, and because of the fact that the BIA is a course of tax-funded, self-appointed bureaucracy that simply taxes its so-called members into despair and bankruptcy, the BIA has come to the defense not of its members, but to the, to the defense of the BIA <laughs> and of the city. After acknowledging that the construction of rapid transit will be, quote, very difficult for the downtown businesses, which the BIA supports, the writers continue to pretend that they somehow represent those same businesses. Quote, downtown business owners are concerned for their livelihoods and those of their employees. That's why the LBDA or LDBA won't stop advocating for our businesses throughout these transformational projects and will support our members through construction. It's tempting to react emotionally or apply short-term thinking in times of change and disruption, but that's never been the approach of our BIA. We are committed to being strategic and forward-thinking and consider what is needed for London to become, at best, a best-in-class city. They had a spelling error in their own article there. This is how we best serve members in our role as downtown business champions. Part of that role is to ensure our members have quality, consistent information with which to make decisions. Facts, not opinions or hearsay. 
Every opinion on this issue is valued. We'll support our members to have their concerns and opinions counted without fear of retribution, end quote. Holy cow, without fear of retribution? What the hell was that about? And how, and how can you possibly value every opinion after you've just told us in the same sentence that you intend to dismiss opinion in favor of facts? This is all a bunch of bullshit. Most of the rest of the editorial is quite literally verbal diarrhea mixed with utter, utter contempt and disdain. In an opinion, no facts, that is shared by no one but those given unearned and unrepresented power and tax dollars. You know, the people on the receiving end of the free money. The editorial concludes with, quote, let's not be divided by rhetoric and misinformation. We're all on the side of progress, end quote. Talk about bullshifting, everybody. We need to rein in these bullshifters. But who's going to do it, and how can you possibly win as a downtown business person opposed to rapid transit when those who have a different opinion from you, not, not a different fact, are already taxing you to support their opinion and are, in fact, in fact, currently in the process of even raising those taxes further? This is not a conflict that can be resolved as long as you're thinking inside the box, as they say. As long as you're cooperating with your opponent and playing by their rules, which are unjust, undemocratic, and offensive to any freedom-minded person in the extreme, you're not going to win. That's what has to be morally, legally, and politically challenged in order to even have a chance of winning this. Once again, the Freedom Party of Ontario has been Ontario's only party consistently opposed to BIAs because we support freedom of association. And we oppose forced association, which is exactly what a BIA is. As irony and fate would have it, the only BIA formation we failed to prevent when Mark Emery and I launched the Freedom Party's BIA warning campaign back in the 80s again, was, and 90s too, was the London Downtown BIA. We entered the race too late because it was the first BIA we ever heard of, and Mark, who was then the owner and proprietor of City Lights Bookshop in downtown London, was livid when he got a notice in his mail that he'd be forced to pay into this BIA via his taxes. Forcing taxpayers to financially support your association through tax dollars and then calling those taxpayers members, quote-unquote, is so gross a misrepresentation of what the word member means, it's to my mind, it, just com it makes a complete fraud out of the whole thing. It should be reported to the Better Business Bureau, for starters. Come on, has anybody ever tried that? Report the BIA to the Better Business Bureau. Maybe they can do something. The huge irony of the whole business improvement area concept is that in reality, it merely consists of referring to the tax base as members and to the municipally enforced bureaucracy as an association. In both cases, it's pure, pure bullshit. Merchant, quote-unquote, representation? Stop and think about that for a minute. And think about what a clever way it is for municipal governments to prevent their business and retail community from actually stopping them from doing anything, no matter how far outside their legitimate jurisdiction and authority. So, so it works in reverse. In effect, the city has eliminated the possibility of any merchant representation by the very act of having established a BIA and imposed it on the merchants in the first place. Do you see how that works? 
We'll give them their association that will represent them. It's our association. We pay for it. We'll run it. Oh, yeah, you guys are members. You pay your dues. You sure do. They should be don'ts. As the city solicitor of Mississauga once wrote me on the subject of BIAs, quote, the membership merely consists of the tax base, end quote. <laughs> there is no binding procedure for votes of, or, or any kind of representation, whatever. There are many make-believe meetings held to allow the various tax slaves to, to let off a bit of steam once in a while, but any opposition to already established municipal intentions as a rule is not permitted. But you can always vote to support what the city was already doing without ever having to, you know, ha having asked anyone in a meaningful way. You just have to support them. Just don't resist them. These words, membership, association, are being fraudulently used. And I recall vividly back in the 80s and 90s when Freedom Party was defeating BIA after BIA across the province, it was the law that all BIAs, which stood for Business Improvement Area, BIA, not for association, it was the law that they, that they must use that BIA identification and designation in everything they did. In other words, you weren't allowed to misrepresent a BIA as an association, and names like the one they're using today were not legal back then. So something's changed. So either the law isn't being enforced or they changed the law. But, you know, either way, arose by any other name, right? Another thing that huge thing that has changed since we were last active against BIAs. BIAs were originally intended, well, you know, the first word, business. <laughs> oh, man, this, this, is a, this is a train wreck. They were intended to be financed through business tax levied against the business owners, not the landlords. That's how it was done. So if a, if a landlord had a tenant in a unit and, and that tenant was not a business, that unit did not pay a business tax. After all, the money was supposed to be used to promote businesses. Okay? That was, the, that was the first premise. You see, one lie leads to the next until all the lies build up so much it doesn't even matter anymore. So today, it isn't even the business anymore that pays the tax. It's the landlord who has to pay whether there's a business there or not. And think about that for a minute. The member... And the one paying the dues to the London Downtown Business Association might not even be the same person. Or more significantly, the same corporation, which could be headquartered in Toronto. It's a business taxpayer's nightmare. It's a democratic short circuit. It's a nightmare. This is pure misrepresentation in democratic guise. Disgraceful. Here are Ken Eastwood and Lisa Brandt from their March 2nd all-new morning show on CJBK Radio in London. Also, uh, we are talking with um, Sean Meyer from Our London, Amanda Stratton from Hacker Studios, downtown London. Downtown London is uh, in the news this morning because there appears to be a bit of a battle brewing between the Downtown London Business Association and some of the business that they are to represent. Um, and I say they are supposed to represent because some of those businesses are saying we're not. Our views, because, for example, they are not in favor of the way the rapid transit plan is being implemented or uh, moving forward, those concerns are not being passed on. Mm -hmm. And 
we're not getting our money's worth from uh, downtown London. Amanda, I'm glad you're here because as a uh, as a business owner downtown, this is um, something you are intimately knowledgeable about. Uh, the Downtown London Business Association, who is now looking for a 3% raise in their levy that uh, funds the association itself, um, is getting a little bit of pushback. Some business owners downtown are saying, they're not doing a good job of representing my personal opinions, our business's opinions about specifically rapid transit. Um, from a business perspective, how do you feel about the job that uh, downtown London's doing? Well, I think downtown London does a lot of things very well, but I think in general there's a couple of things. One is we have to, I think, do away with the idea that downtown London represents businesses. They're, they perform an important function, but we shouldn't count on them to represent businesses to council or to anybody else. Businesses should feel free and should be empowered by downtown London to represent themselves in smaller groups if they want to. Good point. To council. Mm-hmm. Downtown London can never represent everybody. Right. Um, and that's partly on them, that they have to stop pretending that they do represent everybody. They don't. They perform an important function. I do not think they should be getting uh, an increased levy. Uh, that would come at a very difficult time when a lot of people downtown are really worried about whether they're going to make it through the next few years. You know, there's there's something funny, too, because I, as an outsider, until today, I didn't realize that it's it's a mandatory thing. Like This is something you, as a business owner downtown, have to pay. It's not voluntary. You don't decide whether or not you want to be a part of this association. You just are. Yeah, no, and it's it's collected by the city but does not come from the whole tax base. So it's not paid by the city. It just goes through them. And, yeah, you ha- you have to pay it. it uh, the landlord technically pays it, but that gets passed on to the, the tenants and merchants. There's no – you can't opt out of being a downtown London member. And it's it's thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. What do you think, John? I would suggest that there's more than a few business owners downtown who want nothing to do with rapid transit or at the very least how rapid transit is being presented and their voice is never going to be heard because downtown London, for right or for wrong, I have no opinion, they champion the rapid transit plan. So Okay, but I, I, from what I just heard from Amanda, their voice can be heard. They can still go and uh, and speak on their own. And I think that's incumbent on downtown London and council to say we understand that we can't represent everybody that they can't represent everybody, and we want to hear from other people. But how many um, people would actually do that? If you're part of a downtown association, your assumption is you're being spoken for on behalf of. I think that's an erroneous assumption in any community association or any sort of association like that. It's too bad that they often do kind of, they become the dominant voice and yeah. they often get listened to um, to the point of not listening to other people from the community, sure. from whatever community it is. And I think that's a real failing on the part of the city. What do you think their primary function is then? What do you want them to do with your money? Uh, well, I think they do do important things. I said do-do. Um, <laughs> so they do beautification and marketing, and they, they administer some programs that, unfortunately, it looks like some of them might be cut despite this increase and despite the huge increase they got when Richmond Street was added. Um, so so they do some programs for restoring facades and signage, and they do they do a lot of great things. And really, that's what uh, you know. We heard a CTV News report last night. Uh, a couple of business owners who said that's where, the, if they're asking for an increase, that's where that money should go. Things like beautification, you know, tangible things that we can see and will have a direct impact immediately on how downtown functions and looks. 
if they're asking for an increase, maybe, but yeah. I, th- I think that they should not get that increase. Next on KQED Newsroom, privatizing transit from buses to shuttles. It's a perfect fit for me. What's driving the trend? Leap launched its first bus route this week. So uh, tell me how you found out about Leap. Uh, I read an article on TechCrunch that was circulated around our office, and I got excited because I live in the marina, and I hate the commute every morning. So, yeah, it's good for. it's a perfect fit for me. This is my first time. This is, it's great so far. It's really comfortable, spacious, not hot, like the uh, 30X, which is what I usually take. How long were you taking Muni? Like, and what was that experience like? Um, probably about a year, but I avoided it as much as I could. I took Uber a lot, um, but obviously with the prices that are, you know, always surging, it became quite an expensive habit. A ride costs five to six dollars, depending on how many tickets you buy. About double Muni fares. Leap's vehicles are refurbished buses. There's Wi-Fi and even a mini bar selling gourmet coffees, juices, and snacks investors have kicked in 2.5 million dollars to help launch Leap, but they've got a competitor just two blocks away, Chariot. Both companies mimic Muni's 30 Marina Express line. How do you think it's different from Muni, as for a driver, I mean? As a driver, I think it's a lot better. Um, we don't deal with, you know, rude customers, things like that. People enjoy actually our service, you know. Using smaller vans, Chariot's Chestnut Bullet takes a slightly different route from Leap. Laura Champion has been riding Chariot for a few months. Yeah, yeah. and so in terms of like comfort and all that, I mean, you're guaranteed a seat for yeah. one thing, right? Yeah, it's great. And I mean, if a van is full, there's another one five minutes behind, so it's not like you're you're waiting. You're not on a packed bus. Yeah. Um, you don't feel like you're a sardine packed and packed inside. So it's nice. It's been a really big relief, actually. In a lot less stress commuting work in the morning. Yeah. Chariot has three other lines and like Leap is targeting a niche market, unlike Muni with over 700,000 rides a day. It's like an industrial bakery versus a boutique cupcake shop. These private transit options clearly can't serve everyone. Just want to thank our listener Marco R who sent us that particular news item, put our attention onto that one. That was from KQED News about privatization of transit in San Francisco and was originally broadcast on March 20th, 2015. I thought, very interestingly, the last sentence there, these private transit options clearly can't serve everyone. Well, that's true. But clearly, neither can any state-sponsored transit service serve everyone, quote-unquote. You know, there's a huge difference between saying that any one single provider can serve everyone, which we all know to be totally untrue given our electricity and healthcare crises brought to you by our own single provider systems here in the province of Ontario. And, we, and of course, the difference between that and private enterprise system that can indeed service everyone, because that allows for all niches and pricing systems to be served. The private enterprise system is not one thing. It can be anything we want it to be when we want it to be, because the, the private part of it means the individual can act in freedom. And after all, in today's world, 
There's still always Uber to fill any gaps where you can't fill in the public transit issues. With a municipality like London so committed to its big spending shift, what's also being shifted is the conversation. Instead of seeking out affordable and practical solutions to very simple problems, you know, getting around, we have a Disney World attraction being proposed in the guise of a half-billion-dollar rapid transit to bankruptcy plan, which will serve the extraordinarily few at the expense, at the extraordinary expense, of the extraordinarily many. Welcome to the new democracy. There are under free enterprise, and of course free enterprise meaning free of government cronyism and monopoly and price fixing, under free enterprise there's almost an infinite number of ways that people can resolve their transportation needs, including public transportation. I just heard our past guest, uh, Amir Fahari of the London Institute, proposed something he called a transportation system of the 21st century that we could be implementing today rather than the already outdated mode of public transit this city is seeking, something we'll have to speak to him about in the future. So this debate is just beginning, but, you know, this may not matter at all if this city, this province, and this federal government get their way in moving forward, quote-unquote, with their goal of eliminating the car, the true symbol of Western civilization's individualism. And, you know, that's, that's a large part of what this is about. Consider the implications of Amanda Stratton's comment that representation is, quote, an erroneous assumption in any community association of, or any sort of association like that, end quote. You know what? She's right. And, and think about it. It applies to every level of democratic government right across the board, federal, provincial, municipal. That's the reality. None of them represent you. They all have functions to do. And also, quote-unquote, doing great things <laughs> is never done with stolen money and forced membership. Those great things like advertising, beautification, and promotion were all BS arguments used when Mark Emery and I were fighting the original formation of the downtown London BIA. <laughs> the head of the BIA, his, na his first name was Bob, I forget his last name, but we ended up getting him called Comrade Bob. And we, he kind of got run out of town. <laughs> and you know what he did when he left town? He went off to head off another BIA in another municipality. Surprise, surprise. You know who's keeping downtown London beautified back at the time the BIA was being formed? None other than Mark Emery of City Lights Bookshop, who rented all of the kiosks privately that were installed along Dundas Street at the time, kept beautiful displays inside them, kept the graffiti off the storefronts and displays, and then I remember one day he made a citizen's arrest and detained a person vandalizing downtown property, and the police wouldn't show up. But you know what they showed up for? They eventually got around the charging mark to make, for failing to make a full stop at some corner where, we, where he was attending to one of his kiosks. Yeah, this is the same Mark Emery who is known today as the Prince of Pot. If there's one lesson... I've had drilled into me over the years of my involvement in politics. It's that politicians can't stand it when the people resolve their own needs and don't need them. So, we've come full circle and we're back where we started with our theme today. It ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble. It's what they do know that just ain't so. 
Well, rapid transit isn't. Isn't rapid transit. NBIAs aren't. Aren't associations. NBIA members aren't. Aren't members. And democracy isn't. It isn't democracy where some kind of majority of the people rules. And, you know, we'll get into a lot of trouble if we just proceed in our blindness to these epistemological contradictions. Nature doesn't allow for contradictions. Because if you continue from a premise that just ain't so, in attempting to fight what is so, you've lost your battle before it's even begun. And that, unfortunately, appears to be the Achilles heel I've spotted in the whole dispute between the downtown merchants, again, not the BIA, and the city. And remember, most of what are being called facts in an issue like this are really not facts at all because there are no future facts. They don't exist, and the very concept is oxymoronic. Yet that's exactly the kind of Im imaginary facts that the BIA will include in its fact-finding mission on rapid transit. Based on X statistic today, the ridership in 2025, let's say, will be X people, and the city will grow by X percent, etc., etc. All these magical predictions. It's stats like these and predictions like these that are being called facts. They're not facts. They are as much an opinion when, when integrated into this project as they are a fact in the terms of being a statistic. A statistic and a fact are not, are not the same thing, especially when it's a prediction. I, pre I predict that there will be 200 billion people uh, 50 years from now. Is that a fact? Is my, my prediction's a fact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Building a rapid transit system is not something politicians justi justify by facts to begin with. That's the whole funny part. The decision to undertake building this bright white elephant you know, of this size and of this proportion is clearly, transparently, not a decision driven by facts, except for the one fact that matters. The free money being offered the municipality for undertaking precisely such a project to qualify for that money. How many hours of this program have we devoted to showing how facts are not the driving force behind political decisions, or even behind voting, or even behind elections? What matters is the story. And the real story here is that the City of London doesn't have its shift together at all. And together, quote-unquote, is not the mood of this increasingly polarized city. From rapid transit to sanctuary cities, you name it, creating unity is not the direction in which this city is heading. So don't allow yourself to get all caught up in a struggle between shifting and downshifting. Going slower still means going ahead with a project that should never be undertaken in the first place. And it also means keeping in place a BIA fraudulently po posing as an association that will continue to work diligently against the interests of its so-called members. It's all a bunch of bullshit, folks. Dismantle your, your, your BIA. Save millions. So when it comes to getting your shift together, here's what you've got to do. Be sure to join us again next week when we'll continue our shift in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes, 
everything will be alright. And that's not the way it was. Were you moving up a little bit? No, 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 that's in the right position. No, 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 I was further in. No, you weren't. Stop there, that's fine. Do you mind? <laughs> Do you? Hey, somebody better move these cars. You're making a commotion. Hey, Sid. Who are you? Never mind who I am. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Why is it every time you park a car in this block, everything gets disrupted and disjointed? Said it's completely his fault. All right. Why don't you start taking a bus? Okay, George. Come on.